Welcome to the Paperless Movement Podcast. I'm Tom Solid, your host, and I'm so excited to share another thrilling episode with you, where I deep dive into the digital productivity space together with my guests. As usual, this episode is not sponsored. However, providing you this value for free is only possible thanks to all of you who are part of the Paperless Movement membership. You allow me to stay independent with my opinion. But also as a member, you can join these interviews live when they are recorded for a chance to ask your own questions and you'll even get access to chapterized video versions of this and previous episodes. So if you'd like to become a member eager to max out the full potential of your digital productivity system, check out paperlessmovement.com. And now, without further ado, let's dive into this chat. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another interview. This day, we have Tama Shaheen with us. And first of all, before we do anything in this interview, I want to thank you for this awesome video that you made for the Partner Expert section. For all of you who don't know, Tama Shaheen joined the Partner Expert section in the Paperless Movement. I'm really excited to have him with us because when it comes to scaling your business, then this is the person you have to go to. And we are very well aligned when it comes to systemizing businesses and automating stuff and also tool addicts, if you want to put it this way. The next shiny object syndrome, syndrome we both know very well. And I think we have a lot to talk about today in relation to this. Tama. Thomas. Yes, thank you very much for that really nice introduction. I came on, I think, was it almost about a year ago now when we when I did yeah. one interview on, on your YouTube channel? That, exactly. That's right. Been exactly a year and it's been a, a crazy year in, in more ways than one for everyone, I'm sure. Yep, so I'm Tama Shaheen. If you haven't met me yet already, I'm the CEO at CEO Entrepreneur. We didn't think the title through. It has too many CEOs in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> so yeah, we talk about yeah. business, not branding. <laughs> yeah. No. There we go. I, I guess it was a tongue in cheek thing, but, but yeah, so I help uh, small business owners scale uh, and grow their businesses without really sacrificing their sanity. And I think that's a big part to do with it because everyone who's growing a business, if you've ever run a business before, or you're trying to run a business, it's not easy. And anyone who sits there and tells you it's, it's not, it takes yeah. a long time. We go through a lot of growth. We go through a lot of mistakes and failures. And I have been through some myself. I'm not going to repeat it here today. If you haven't seen in the last interview on Tom's channel, I actually go through my story in a little bit more detail where I've scaled a business up to hundred million dollars and crashed much, much more dramatically and catastrophically. And that's the more interesting story. But yes, so yeah. you're also following I, very, very nice detail in your partner expert video, which is actually one hour deep diving into scaling business. And you also go through this or actually things I didn't know you sharing some pictures there as well of the things that you had and then you never had again. Yeah, yeah I I'd nice never one. shared them before because I thought to myself, sometimes I think it, it's taken me a while to come to terms with speaking about this openly because when you fail catastrophically. It was really hard to be able to, to just come out and speak about it. It took me years. And 
as I've been speaking about it and I've been getting a lot of positive reaction from people inspiring them and them reaching out to me and say, saying, Hey, Tama, thank you for being so honest and sharing your experience. It's made a big difference in the way that I look at my business. And when you begin to hear that, you begin to say, okay, it was the right decision to start talking about this. Cause I, I see a lot of business owners sit there and just say, Hey, or business coaches or gurus or whatever you want to call them. Um, they sit there and say, you can make your business into amazing thing all glitz, all glamour, here's me, everything's amazing. And it never happens that way. So I thought if we're going to talk about growing a business, let's talk about the good and the bad. And putting those photos up there was actually the first time. So yeah, so I showed you photo, I think photos of the house and the cars that I had, the Ferraris and, uh, and the swimming pool. And then the house w which had flooded. Did you see some of the, the floods where yeah. the ceiling yeah. had sort of crashed? So it was horrible. And, uh, yeah, it was funny. You also added there was your son on the Ferrari as well, or standing on the Ferrari. And I think it's also a tough decision to to share a photo of the children. But I thought it was important because so many people just show some pictures about stuff they might don't have, and this just brought a relation. But I appreciate it because it's a closed, secure uh, community that we have there, so you don't have to worry. I won't share yeah, these pictures, so but I want just thank to you. point something out here that we are really on the same wavelength. You just mentioned something about businesses that there are people pretending everything is easy. And if you do that, everything works. And we are exactly aligned here because I talk about the same thing in the papers movement to my members all the time. When I have discovery calls, I say, I'm not the guru who has solved everything. I'm in the same boat as you. I might be bit more experience in a few things, but you might even more experience in other things. And we're just bringing everything together in, in a single source of truth that we will learn from each other. And that this is an ongoing journey. So nobody can tell me that they are highly productive when I see all these videos on YouTube. And many times it's well-researched information where they share the what they learned about methods and things like that. And you always get a feeling, oh, there are people who are actually perfect. And I don't believe this. I don't believe it at all that there's one person out there who just got it right and everything runs smoothly every day. This is a continuous improvement. So this is with the ICO framework, it's an ongoing process. It's not a cause. It is actually an ongoing continuous improvement. I said it already. Yeah. yeah so as long as soon you realize that also as a leader in this regards, I think we are much closer together. And I think in a paperless movement. We have the, or the most important thing to me is to get the people together, to make them realize they are not alone because you really have the feeling that you're the only one who doesn't get it. And I'm also part of your program and I love it. And this is the same feeling that I got there. I finally really realized, okay, I'm not the only entrepreneur in the world who tries to figure these things out. And this is the great thing. And there's not the all-in-one solution that you can just get and say, okay, if you do these 10 tips and then you run your business like a pro, this just doesn't work because each business is different. Each productivity system is bit different and we have to have to build it up our own. But therefore we need to understand the foundation behind the productivity system or the business. So there's so much links that we have together in our two different businesses. This is where I thought it's just a perfect fit to be a partner expert in the payments movement as well. Thank you. Yes. And I completely agree with you. Before I do actually agree with you more and ex expand on that agreement, the community is absolutely amazing. It's awesome. The, what you've built is really something. So congratulations. And that's 
partly you, a lot to do with you, but also a lot to do with the amazing community that's there and they make it really happen. And I know that you facilitate that in your own way, which is just amazing. And I'm just privileged to be a the community as well. But back to your point, actually, in terms of, <laughs> thank you. Back to your point. I completely agree. Nobody knows exactly what, you know, nobody has it sorted out completely perfectly. Hey, Steve Jobs got fired from his own company when he was running Apple at the early days. Nobody yeah. gets it. I, I, and, and if I speak a little bit about my experience here, it's not to say I know a lot, but when you, someone like myself who started off in education, teaching business uh, and engineering courses, and then going through to government where we were funding sort of national productivity, uh, a $2 billion fund on a national level, looking at all sectors, every single business, how do you improve it? How do you, what best practices are, what, not, what works, what doesn't work? And I got to see small, medium, large size companies. I've invested in my own companies. I've invested in other companies, run my own companies to $100 million. Even then, I still don't know everything, even to today. And there are times where I sit there and I say, okay, this is a new problem. I haven't come across this before. Or we're just human at the end of the day. Even if we know it's the right thing to do, sometimes we end up doing other things because our imposter syndrome kicks in or our sort of shiny object syndrome. You and I can really relate to that, where our studio is full of all of these gadgets and, and, and technologies <laughs> and bits and pieces. And you say, yes, I am sure it is justified in the business expense. But yeah, I don't want yeah. to pay taxes, so we have to buy all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah, let's have that as a tax write-off. Let's exactly. not earn anything, but, you know, yeah. But, but I think, but part of being part of a community where you are learning how to actually improve your productivity at, through your systems, like your community, or where you are learning how to actually grow your business and scale your business, like in the CEO entrepreneur community as well. It's all about seeing, making those shortcuts from other, learning from other people's mistakes and other people's experience. And when we've come to a point where we said, we've tried this, it doesn't work. Save yourself three years of life on misery and thousands of dollars and, or euros or, or pounds, whichever country you're in. It's, it's one, that's what you're looking for. And that's what I was looking for when I was actually trying to grow my businesses. I even went and hired some of the best coaches in the world attached to some of the largest names. And I'm not going to say who they, the names here today, but they'd never run a business in their lives. They'd run a coaching company. Or they'd never, or even if they'd run a business, it was never to the scale that you want to grow. And you say, okay, so what do I do next? And they don't know. So that's a good example, actually, that you bring up there that I see so many times as well. All these business gurus telling you how to make a lot of money out of nothing by just selling courses on how to make money. So they, they got make rich money by making, yeah. So there's no, that, that's the thing. And this, again, we have this in common. You went through a lot and you lived, how, how do you say this? And you walked or you, yeah, yeah you, that's the thing, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I did this as well. I built, it, I built up these productivity systems. I, I implemented in several teams and I have proven that things work, but I also struggled at like the next shiny object or switching tools or all these things. So whenever I'm in a one-on-one -on -one call or in a group call. And I talk about, oh, others talk about what they're going through. I can hundred percent relate mm. to this. And as I, I went through this and this is what I came up with afterwards. And then it, this is already helping a lot, but it needs to be, uh, uh, to put it in a different way, getting things done, GTD is one of the things that so many people know when they go to productivity. And also met so many members saying, I tried to implement GTD for me for two years now, and it still doesn't work. And I think 
there is a good example how it is approached wrong. So you always think this is the one and all solution. It's good to have these systems, methods and all there, but use it to inspire yourself and to take the pieces out of these systems and methods and put them into your own system and improve your system with a few things out of these methods, not trying to use it as the blueprint and this will run now everything in there, where you just add friction in the end of the day, trying to follow all the steps of this method and things like this. Yeah. I, I, Hard to and, be and, to explain right now. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And I'm going to give you an example and, and it shows with the, and I, I don't want to speak about other gurus, whether it's in productivity or in business. Oh, we're not saying any names, but, but maybe something. But the ones that haven't gone through it, when they do say to you, here's what's worked for me, or here's something that's going to work for you. And here's a three-step process. Once you begin to go into the detail, then the reality kicks in terms of the lack of depth, the lack of experience, because that's only applicable for one specific use case, for one specific person, for one specific thing. And when they come and they say, here's a testimonial of this person who did this and this person who did that, a broken clock is correct twice. A day. It'll be right <laughs> two times a day. There's going to be a few people right. where it's completely going to fit to that particular person. However, you and I both know that's not the case. And when we look at, at CEO entrepreneur, if you look at, if you watch the, the masterclass that I've given in, inside the community, I don't talk about this is the way to do it. And that's the only way to do it because every business owner is different and what they want out of their businesses are different and how they learn is different and how they, you know, some people are integrators, some people are visionary, some people have this strength, some people have that strength and the market is different. The times are different as we've seen the same businesses when COVID hit. Some couldn't survive, some thrived, some pivoted because even the same business model might not work given a certain market or a certain condition, climate condition. So you've got all of these variables that are running and then you sit there and say, here's a three-step process that works. It, it won't. So what's better is to sit down and take a step back and have a look at the whole framework of how do you actually become more productive? What is the system? And, and, and that's what you've been working on in terms of the I-Core. And from what we've been doing at, at CEO Entrepreneur is in terms of how do you become the CEO of your business based on the business that you want to run and, and how you want what you want to achieve out of your business. And that was very clear for us from day one in terms of even when we start setting the vision for the company, it's to inspire every entrepreneur to grow the business that they desire so that it's about us trying to understand what each entrepreneur wants out of their business and how best to grow for their business. And everything we do under that banner basically is about this whole personalization and customization fit around this entire framework where you know this can work, but you need to adapt it to yourself and you need to adapt it to how you do it. You need to choose the things that are going to work for you or not going to work for you. But yeah, so it, it, it's. I think the experience and the systems are there. And I know today we're, we're talking a lot about systems, which we can start talking about in a little bit more detail. It's how you use them and how you implement them and how you monitor them and how you track them and how you optimize them and how you get that feedback loop for you to be able to say, is this working for me, given the current environment that I have right now? That's why a lot of businesses themselves also stumble at different stages of business growth. So when you're growing to a hundred thousand, it's not the same as growing to 300 and it's not the same as growing to a million. 
and then a million beyond because the team is different. The systems are different that you're going to have to implement inside. The feedback mechanisms are different. The authority, the accountability, a whole bunch of things changes at these stages and these need to adapt based on how you're actually, what your variables are, if that makes sense. Does that make sense to, to what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And it's funny, I never thought in detail about this, but there's so much related to the productivity systems as well. And the end of the day, everything comes down to systems. And this is where we understood each other very well in, the, in our very first meeting already, because mm. I was a system thinker. I had my mind maps available and showed you how I structured the business and all this. So we had a complete different way to approach things then. And mm. it's the same for the productivity. I have members who come up with a mind map and say, I say, look, this is our, all the tools that I use. And you have a complete different approach to this, how you can accelerate things a lot more than you having somebody who has no idea what they actually use on a daily basis. And then you sit down and you create these maps with them to dark, which is fine that most of the people don't have these maps because this is not their profession. It's not their genius zone or what they do on a daily basis, they're complete different business. So they are not intended to create diagrams. I just love data and all this. So I had this in place. Yeah. I think this is then the superpower we have to understand these processes of the people where they stand at in their productivity system or in their business and, and then help them the best way for the next step. So as you mentioned, going to a hundred thousand between a hundred and 300,000 is different. It's the same. When you're in the productivity system, you have already something running. You might want to automate things now. This is a complete different approach that you have to do there instead of starting with taking notes on an iPad, if you put it this way. Um, I just want to bring yeah, something absolutely. up. Yeah. Yeah. I no, no. want to bring something up. So our members, if you're listening on this on our podcast, our members are able to join these interviews that we have here live and actually ask questions or mention something. And I just want to bring in Mary here. She said, excellent point that Tema is different than so many others. Others are coaching entrepreneurs, but have not run a business and Tema has. Yeah. I just want to point this out as well. And yeah, we go from there. I called this interview titled it systemizing your business. So let's talk about tools. In our first interview one year ago, good that you brought this up, by the way, I forgot to mention this in the beginning. We talked about tools and then that I switched from Asana to ClickUp at this point, I think, and you switched from Monday.com to ClickUp. So has this changed? Are you still in ClickUp? Yes, we're still in ClickUp for it's good and bad, but yes, we're still there because we, again, like, like we were just talking, I think it's as a business grows, it's hard. It becomes harder to shift and change completely when you're yeah. by yourself and you say, Hey. I want to change a tool from Monday to click up to Asana to this and that. It's just you that has to change. But with, as you begin to start having a team behind you and you begin to start developing the systems and processes for that. So now I have a, a project management office headed up by the head of the product management, the PMO, and within there, they're developing the systems and the processes. And that then has, we've got like the product unit, we've got the customer unit, we've got the business unit and the systems that are being developed, then once you've developed it for a certain framework and a certain tool to go and completely change that, even though that you think that there might be a, a better tool that you can play around with yourself and you say, Hey, this is better. It's much, much harder to change once you've got to that point. And that's why it took us a while to be able to say, right, when you're assessing a system or a tool, a platform like ClickUp, 
one of the things that when I was playing around with it was I was seeing a, can it work for me now when I was early in the early days, but can I grow into this as a system and can my team then start using this and they run everything now through, through ClickUp in the way that we do. We, so we've got Slack for communications and then we've got the ClickUp for the tasks and the things like that. And then we've got the SOPs and the processes that get developed so that they're linked between ClickUp and all the other platforms and the tools that we use. And now I hardly have to go into there except for the stuff that I need to sign off on or the things that I need to do. And as new processes get developed, we've developed our own SOP to develop an SOP, if, if you will, and the team themselves are developing their own when they realize that there's a new process that needs to, to happen. They already understand we use ClickUp, we use this, these are the processes, here's the SOP to develop a new SOP. Let's put it in place, let's task it. And then that's sort of, okay, who's accountable, who gets consulted, who gets informed. And there is a system that's in place now that we say, these are the platforms and the tools that we use, and this is how we're going to actually utilize them within the company throughout the company. Otherwise you start changing things, people start getting you and I and other people inside the community will be very easy. We find it fun to, to test out new platforms and new tools. Mm. And we find mm. it fun to say, Hey, let's try this new thing, or let's try that new thing. And it's very easy for us to actually, because we're quite tech savvy. But some of your team, because you hire them for the roles that you're not necessarily strong in, they won't be necessarily strong in the tech savvy kind of things. So if you start changing things and they need training, then they need things. And, and that's when it becomes, and that's why you've got, when you've got these large organizations, it's a lot slower sometimes to move and maneuver when you're a much smaller company, you can actually act and change and pivot quite quickly. So what we've tried to do as well, it, having said all of that. We still wanted to make sure that we can change. We're not platform dependent completely. So even though the SOPs that we built at the moment still rely on task getting fed through ClickUp automated, and we've got automations in terms of when they get assigned, the dates, the slack times, all of these kind of things in terms of the automations as well, that once you do something, it then opens up another template, it will import it, and then it has a new set of checklists and then it sends it out. But the SOP that's built initially is still very much, there's a core element to the processes that we're doing that are platform independent so that we can say, if we do want to ever change back to Monday or back to Asana or back to this or the other, we can still take the core elements of the processes and the tasks that we know work and how they all interlink because now we know, okay, we have a communications platform that we communicate on internally. For now it's Slack. It could be something else later on. We use like Zoom for our calls. We use ClickUp for our project management. We use Miro for still brainstorming and putting up different aspects of things. We've got other platforms as well and other tools that we use, but then we understand that this is the function of that tool. If we ever needed to change that tool, we still have the processes underneath that as a core foundational layer still documented in a way that we can take that and then we can add any new platform later on or tool that we need to do. But we also understand that if that happens, we need to train people and we need to put in a system that has to go through it. And that's why I'm saying when you're running business up to hundred K, it's usually yourself with an assistant and maybe a couple of other people. And at that point, it's quite easy to implement systems in a way that you don't have to necessarily think about those things. But once you get up to a 300 and then pass that, then you're beginning to think, 
I no longer, if I want to be, if I no longer need, want to be the bottleneck inside all of this, then I need to have a system that works for everybody, not just for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. There is so much I-core in there, what you just be talking about. I love it. It's so many boxes that got ticked there. So which, I want which to show that that's why I love what you're doing. Yeah. And this is why I love to talk to you because it's always fun diving into the details here and then mm. hearing all the things that I'm preaching all the time from you and see. Okay, so let's hear how this relates to your cycle. I want to point out oh. three things from the, from what you just talked about. One thing is you didn't say it, but it's in a source of truth that we are seeking there. So once you realize where all the information is collected, okay. we have one place where we can go to, to find tasks and comment on them and so on. So whenever we need to look something up, we know where to go to. And you're absolutely right. Once you have a team, they don't need to bother. I mean, finding information is the worst thing in many companies and you're wasting so much time searching for information. The bigger the company is, the more uh, this becomes an issue anyway. So having these SOPs and the work conventions and all this in place is already great, but also making them clear that where to find the information, you will find it in the single source of truth as well. One sec, I get it. Yeah. So what you just mentioned about the foundation and you put the tool on top of, this is what I actually love because this is also part of the things that I teach going to the conventions. So what is a priority? What is a due date in all this? This is okay. Then you said it's a tool agnostic approach. So the SOP can be used in a different system as well. You just apply the tool on top of it. And it's the same, in my opinion, for responsibilities, organigram and things like this. When you say in a project, you need to do this, you need to do this. In so many uh, projects I worked in, it was always a specific person and the name of person was written down there mm -hmm. and never, never thought of this person's function. So many people ended up doing things they never did before. So they learned it themselves. And then over time, they are the one person who can do it all. And they are just placed into this project and say, okay, you will do all this. And now this person drops out of the company. The next one comes in because he was hired for a specific skill set. And then you come into this project team the first time and to tell you, well, but you, the previous person was there, he did this. So I was in a situation, I said, no, I'm not doing this. We now sit down and define what is actually need to be done. And now we find the people or depart, not the people, the departments who are responsible for these different tasks and they can figure out who will do it then. But this is, it always comes down to these general conventions that really never go into the specific when it comes to naming or also for tools, as you just mentioned. Yeah. Once we have this down, we are looking a completely different way to these tools. The second thing I wanted to mention here and what you just said, when it comes to iCore, I split this into personal and business related systems. And I think if you're a manager, you could just look at your personal stuff. If everything works well in this company, you look at your personal stuff, like your diary, journaling or anything like this, but what you fancy, but you shouldn't have in your system actually click up or anything like this because your team works with it. If everything is working well, you have a single source of truth. So if I sitting in a meeting with my team or in a project team, and I have a question, then they should open up their single source of truth and show me exactly what this is. If they don't have anything like this, showing me the task and the hierarchy of comments and things like this, then this is the moment as a manager, I would go in and say, okay, let's define where you actually note 
your stuff, where do you track your tasks and all this. And if you have this harmonized throughout the company, it makes it even easier for the managers to get the right KPIs, to sit in there and make the decisions. This is what they're actually there for, uh, instead of being in back and forth meetings and having email conversations and all this going on. So I think this, what you just explained there, just very well showed that you got it all and you just going into ClickUp to signing off things now. So of course, the last thing you want to do is uh, never change a running system, right? Not just signing, signing off for the things that I need to sign off. So one of the things that, that a lot of people don't do actually is delegate authority. And I see yeah. that a lot in companies that are between the hundred and 300. And I think that's, so up until a hundred K, a lot of people struggle with delegating in general, delegating tasks. And then once you get to a hundred to 300 and you begin to start building a business, it's beginning, it's about delegating authority. So I don't actually, there's quite a lot of stuff that I don't even need to sign off on because there is a process there for quality control and checking and making sure that, okay, these are the standards that we need. And if it's that standard, then this person is accountable and they can sign off on that and that's fine. I, and I completely agree with what you're saying about having the, the, the tool agnostic thing. However, we, we've put them together almost as two joint things because you have to still have the tool base. So you've got the concept and the function of the task of what you need to do and what you need to check. And that becomes tool agnostic. And then you've got the bit at the, at the other side afterwards where you say, all right, this is how you do that in ClickUp. And that will then, I mean, of course, yeah, yeah. The other thing that, that I really liked about what you're saying is that about the, the functions and the roles of people, which is what we've currently done in-house in CEO entrepreneur at the moment is we built a people map based around functions, not around people and understanding the functions and the tasks that need to be performed because again, at our size company at the moment where we're about 11 people almost, I think 11 to 15 varying, depending on part-time and, and requirements. But even at 11 people, you can't have a singular role for just one, a person does one specialized thing only. You're going to have people well, still wearing multiple hats because you've got, that's why when you've got organizations that are like thousands and 10,000 and 20,000, that's where you can really start really specializing and saying this person just does that one thing and that's all. Whereas now we've got multiple function, multiple roles for different people as and when they join. And that then is there is, is attached to the SOPs, to the tasks, to then a person. So if a person actually then goes away on holiday for a, a few weeks, they can then pass it over to someone else and all the processes are there. And then we just know that now it's the function that is accountable. It's that function who's wearing that function who is going to be informed or consulted who signs off is a function rather than a certain person so it's no longer tama needs to sign it's this function who's responsible for that role who needs to sign off and then it doesn't matter who comes in and who goes in so i completely agree with you and that's how you yeah. have to start doing it at this stage where we're not a large size company, but we're no longer solopreneur or, a, or, you know, three or four people. Yeah, absolutely agree. And it also has another benefit because once you have defined the function, it makes it also much easier to hire people because it's already there. So whenever somebody decides to leave, you can very quickly get a new person because you have everything already in place and not think about what has this person done so far. So as soon, obviously we have people who are 
eager to do new stuff and to come up with their own projects and new skills coming in. And I think it's very important to capture these skills and write them down into a function. Otherwise it's what's not documented. It doesn't exist. So this is what you say in good manufacturing. practice. Absolutely. And systems now, and that's why I think what you're doing with the i and the community that you're building and the systems that you're building around is so important for various stages of growth. And, and I know that you've now identified different sort of avatars, even within your community, because the framework attracts different stages of people, even from when they're still students and note-taking all the way until when now we're trying to grow a company, the systems become so, so important. And that's when, when people say that I can't trust anyone else to do what I'm doing, it's because they haven't put the right systems in place and they haven't put the right quality controls in place and they have figuring it out on their own when they are doing the task, even if it is a recurring task. We start from, so exactly. Uh, and if you hire, I, I realized I this, I realized this when I was scaling, many people say you have to build up a team as soon as possible. And this is what I did, but I was building this up too fast without actually knowing really the systems or not having the system in place. A good example is the video recording on editing, the video editing, because I was figuring this out from video to video. And I was still in a process where I, first of all, loved editing. Then I have a very specific way to edit my videos. So it comes in a way when somebody else comes in and you don't give any directions, they will do just their own subjective opinion on how to edit these videos. And uh, then the third thing is, yeah, not having the system in place. So when you have best example, now I have all the assets like the logo and animations and lower thirds and all. Once you can provide this to the video editor, it will be much more as you wanted to have. Instead of having the video editor going out and finding their own stuff, it will just not be aligned with the brand. Yeah, we can go down this rabbit hole and find loads of related things there, but absolutely agree. This is the reason why I decreased the team size and we are only two people in. And now I'm setting the systems to grow again for 2022. This is the ultimate goal. It's crucial. At the same time, yeah, a lot of automations helped me with this, setting up all this. So video editing is very efficient and having automations in there and staying on top of support and all this makes it very easy to do this. There's two sides of the metal. If you're not having these systems, that's complicated not to say systems in this case, having not these software solutions in place then you're probably good having a team actually helping you out with this. It's, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? So it's a balance. Not everybody will it's build a, up a complex system like this. Yeah, it's a fine balance because this is, so the, there are several aspects when you're growing a business and what needs to come first very, isn't always the same depending on the business and the skill sets of the people who are setting up yeah. the business in the first place. So for example, in your case where you know how to edit videos, what you want out of your video. You know exactly how to develop the lower thirds, the transitions you want, exactly when you want to cut in on frames and do your jump cuts, that stuff. And if you go and get someone else and you've been doing it as you were growing your YouTube channel and without developing the right systems in that case, and then just hiring the best video editor in the world, I don't care how amazing they are. They're not going to do it the way that you've always wanted to do it because they're going to have their own experience. They're going to have their own way of doing things and it's not going to be to your liking. And in that case, it's important to, to develop the systems and make sure that you understand doc, how do you document your genius before someone else comes in? Because like we said, I, I think I mentioned it in one of my videos on my YouTube channel, we make 35,000 decisions a day. 
And if you've been making 35,000 decisions a day over years, developing and editing your videos, how is it possible that those are those hundreds of thousands of decisions, if not millions, will actually align with somebody else where they come in completely blind. However, yeah. in the case where you're not, for example, an expert video editor. So this is where it lies in because that's why it's different for each business and each strength and weakness they have. So in a case where you're not an expert video editor, actually hiring out an expert video editor early on when you can justify the costs to help them edit and actually get someone to document the processes and, and the tart and the way that they're doing this and having a feedback mechanism to improve that is also completely acceptable well, at the beginning that it's you're hiring someone and you're actually going to be developing the system and the process throughout. And that happens as you're, so that's why when you've got startups that happen, for example, and they get a lot of investment, they hire a whole bunch of people at the beginning without any systems being put in place because there's a lot of testing and the system that needs to be put in place before all of hiring those people is how do you capture systems and how do you capture processes? How do you document and how do you measure and track? and then improve and optimize to get it to a level of standard that you want to be able to have. So it's getting that balance and it's understanding what needs to be done today, what strengths you have, how can you document those systems uh, and processes, and then what weaknesses do I have and when, what is the right time to be able to actually bring those people in to be able to develop that for me so that they can grow the business. So it's a balance and that's why a two, three step process, you and I know it just doesn't work because every single business and every single person is going to be completely different. Just in this case, it, hiring a video editor for you is the wrong thing without a documented system and a process. But for someone yeah, else, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that was a very good point, especially the, you have a startup and you have a lot of money. They don't know what the main traffic source it will be. So they try to. I would, Im I could imagine they have a blog and then they try some YouTube and maybe go on Instagram and then see what gives the most traffic back. And then they try to adjust this way. So as I grew on YouTube and did it all myself and saw improvements over time, the moment when I hired a video editor, the video editor wasn't bad at all. And, and, and by any means even brought in some inspiration as well. But the idea for me was to be able to create even more videos. So I'm still on the process that I want to publish daily. And this was possible, actually. We were able that I was recording and this video editor was uh, editing. So we increased output, but I felt a lack of quality. And again, the, the realization behind this was that most of the, or the story of the video was usually de developed while I was editing it. So I'm not a guy sitting down and having a a teleprompter running through. I did several videos with this, but yeah. I always free flow. So I rather record one hour unpacking something and then going into the editor and then I bring everything together. I cannot explain this to a video editor. So yeah, a lot of uh, things that make absolutely sense that you mentioned there. It really depends on the business. So I could imagine, for example, one next hire would be a community manager. The bigger the community becomes, I think it would be a hard, become a hard time. I think this is something, but yeah, let's see where it goes. I slowed down on, I focus much more on a simple, I simplified the whole membership and everything. And I just see people are much more happy with what is there now than all the content that I had there before. We talked about this last year that I had so much inside the membership, but people actually mm -hmm. went 
able to find the information or things like this. So I really doubled down on UI, UX, so people really find this. And I think it's worth it rather to be slower with the publications, but nail whatever I published there instead of increasing quantity over quality. Yeah, I think it was a, and it was a good investment of your time to be able to get that right. And a lot of people, again, underestimate how long it takes to grow a business. When you go outside to a normal, let's assume a normal traditional business where you go for a bank loan or you go for investment, people know that it's going to take you about three years to break because they know it takes three years to grow a business and to test and to improve and to develop the right systems and see what's working, what's not working, mm. to put the right infrastructure in place. It takes time. And then a lot of people sit there thinking that they're going to be profitable from day one or day two, and it doesn't work. And the reason is because, and then they go around and they try and 20 things at the same time, and then it just becomes diluted and it becomes not focused. And, and I talk about this in, in the masterclass in terms of focusing on one thing at a time and, and testing and seeing what's working, because when you start making one small change, how that change is affecting, is having an impact, whether it's positive or negative. But if you're trying 10 things at the same time and you're changing variables in all of these things, you're, you're going to have absolutely no idea. And that was why it was a good strategy for you to like scale down, focus on getting a couple of things really, and then begin to build the systems around them once you know that this is working. So what you've done is it's very uh, smart and, and it's the right way to, to go about it. Yeah, thank you. And again, it relates so much to productivity systems as well. So many people try to get the all-in-one solution and then they pump them up with so many custom fields. And because in, in yeah. the brain, everything makes sense and everything is fancy, but it's always easy to add features. But once the system is running, it's hard to remove the features again or the custom fields. And you added just a lot of friction to the system this way. And so building up slowly and just get a tool. That's the same people ask me, why did you use Asana to implement in the company I was working for uh, instead of another tool? It was just the one that was laying around, I would say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter it doesn't. because the principles was the same. I just wanted to have a system where I can collect the projects and I define, define priorities and so on. Usually, so many, usually any project manager has this capability to collect some tasks and have some priorities and you can make it run. I think why we tended both to go for ClickUp because we see the opportunities to scale. This is really the thing, scaling. When you use Todoist to start your business, that might work in the beginning. You also can use the team version of Todoist, fine. We know that Raven Scanner uses Todoist still to run their business. The limitations are there and then we are in a that end because we are already using this tool in our business that now scale to a different level where we actually would need more features and then we can't go from there. So using ClickUp, we can further scale then, but then it's so important once when you're not that big yet to really implement simple systems inside ClickUp. I learned this as well. We just have a simple task list in there and the SOPs. We don't need to have different departments on this. We could pretend that we have the departments and all the hats that I'm wearing. So I could go this approach as well, but it will change again once the departments are really there. They might want to manage their, their task in a different way, but we have the potential, the information that we collected in the SOPs and the knowledge management is already in place and can then scale. 
another yeah. issue that I see with all the new uh, tools coming out. Yeah. So people tend to say, oh, this is a fancy one. This is, I will build my business on this new tool. I think it's very risky because many tools don't grow. They just disappear from one day to another. And then you have a real issue because your data is gone and you might be not able to export it or move. And I think that's a, a real other issue. Whenever somebody comes to me and says, oh, but this one is even better to pick up. ClickUp is already risky. Was back then two years ago when we switched. But now, or Evernote, for example, when they said, oh, Evernote, they do some changes. Now I go to something completely different that uh, another startup and I take out all my data. I think you still had a, a good tool to bet to have your data in with Evernote, even with what they were going through, because they are so established. They really have high stakes. If they just shut it down, it's just would, would be insane. I think yeah. it would be also getting them to call. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Out. And I think that a lot of people think that becoming too detailed and overcomplicating things, the right way to build here, look at this amazing system that I've built. It's complex and it's detailed and it covers every single step of the way. Yes, but are people actually going to use it? And if people, if it becomes too complicated for people to use, they're not going to use it. So the idea, so then you lose the whole concept of it being a practical thing that's going to get you what you want done the same way every single time. That's the point. And I think we forget that sometimes. And it's basically, what do you need to use and keep it as simple as possible so that people can use it time and time again in exactly the same way. So when you say you started off like, and people start off with Todoist. I started off in the same way. When I started off CEO entrepreneur, I literally started off initially because I'd run a lot of businesses in the past and I'd used Trello and Asana. I'd used all, all of these other tools before in the past. But when I started, I, I wanted to make sure that if I'm working one-on-one, -on -one, I wanted to validate the business model. And I said, if I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I want to basically see that the information, the knowledge that I'm passing on actually works. That was step one. So it was just me, an assistant, and it was just me with basically a bunch of notes. We used email. We didn't even use Slack at the time. It was just sending WhatsApp messages. And here's a, a list of things to do, cross them out. And when they're done, did it work? Yes, it worked because it was so easy to manage. And if we had sat there and said, let's develop an SOP on how do I get this and this, and let's be crazy and complicated system. Why? At that point, yeah. why? But then when we started saying, okay, now we need a project management system because we're going to begin to scale, then there are two decisions we need to make is A, is this going to work for us now? And B, is this going to work for us as we scale? And if not, is it easy for us to be able to port over to the next level? And hmm. that's what we did. So initially when I started with Monday, I didn't, I hadn't heard about ClickUp at the time. And I thought, no. oh, this is exactly what I want. It's it can be used as a way to, to manage tasks. If we can automate things, we can link it up with other tools. And then when I saw ClickUp, I thought it was even easier. And the reason why I moved to ClickUp at the time was because I thought it would be easier for people to, to implement so that we can actually link the SOPs that we had and keep them just so simple. We, we don't have overly complex SOPs. We don't sit there. Yeah, nobody will read them anyway. So they again no, we, reaching out to you, asking you questions and you saying, yeah, it's in the 40 pages SOP. I was living in this world as well. Yeah, absolutely agree. This the is kiss, again, kiss. kiss principle. And when it comes to iCore, I always keep telling my members, start with anything that you have there. Try to keep it as simple as possible and run the system for a while. And then you come to the refined part where you actually revisit 
how is it going? Where's the bottleneck and where can I improve instead of buying all the stuff? And another thing is that it always comes down at the end of the day, your calendar is your single source of truth when it comes to get things done. So this, I always look for ways to connect everything and end up in a calendar, whatever I do. So ClickUp is linked to my Todoist. So I have a simple task list and Todoist and the Todoist is linked up to my calendar where I actually plan out these tasks because ClickUp to me is still overwhelming. Yes, we have some section we can go there and see our own tasks, but I would wish that uh, the, all the companies have a common language and we can rather pick different modules of tools and then build up our own system rather than having these all-in-one solutions that will stay half-baked. ClickUp is on a good way, but it's still buggy. If it I, is. The way they run their documents isn't ideal. It's just unbelievable. You know. Yeah. So I, I, I wonder uh, sometimes if they even use their own tool. When it comes to UI, UX, when you try to find things and so on. So yeah, continuous improvement. So I still believe that they will go the right way. But yeah, awesome discussion, Tama. Anything you want to tell us, tell the members actually. But I was just going to try and really engage within the community. Please do go. Uh, if you are interested in running your business um, and growing it in the right way, not some quick get quick rich scheme in the right way, understanding how you become the CEO of your business, please do go and have a look at the masterclass and it's on the community. Ask me any questions you want to feel free to ask questions in the video. I'll come in and I'll check it regularly and I'll answer. And you can also download the frameworks and the slides by going on a link. There's a link there that takes you to that. If you do want to take the next step, we do have something called the five starter program, which Tom, I know you're part of, and hopefully it's been working well for you. Yeah, as we just discussed, we are absolutely aligned. Yeah, thank you. Otherwise, I'm a partner expert, right? Yeah, that's why. So if you are interested in that, please do reach out to us and we'll take it from there and let you know all about the Firestarter program, if it is the right thing for you. You need to be earning over six figures. So this is not a start your business. I want to scale my business. So if you're earning 100, if your turnover is over 100K per year and you're interested in understanding how to really become the CEO of your business, please do check out the Firestarter program. Yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to say. Thank you very much, Tamar. Thank you. Much. You're welcome. But something to add there. If you want to learn about my use case and how Tama and I work together, this is also inside the masterclass. Tama used me as a use case and other businesses where we where he will show you how we grow the paperless movement to this level where we are now and beyond. Okay, Tama, thank you very much for taking the time. It was awesome. You're Always love to you. Thank you very much for having me and what you're building is awesome. And I'm privileged to be a part of it and privileged to be part of your journey as well. So it's always amazing to see this grow uh, and grow even further. And I wish you all the best. And I'm going to be there watching it grow with a big smile on my face because it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. Thank you very much, Tama. Thanks, Tom. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.